clients, a lot of the clients that have previously gone direct or they haven't got a relationship with their broker that leave it to the last minute, who panics the most? When I speak to clients and they tell me, oh yeah, the rent's been the same for three years, I'm like, what? I was like, you're getting 800 pounds a month now. Yeah. If we were to remarket this, it could easily get 12. It doesn't get any worse than someone who calls you and they've already made the decision rather than calling to <clears> discuss <throat> it. Mm. And as you say, it's because their mortgage is about to go up mm. in seven days time. Yeah. Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Investors Corner. Today, we're, we have a returning guest, Scott from SWS, a mortgage brokerage based across Berkshire, Surrey and Hampshire. Scott, thanks for coming back in to see us. Um, we really should get a broker in every 36 mm. hours. <laughs> at the moment, I yeah. think at the moment. So uh, it's much appreciate that you're spending the time with us to go through what's going on in the mortgage market. We were just going on off camera, the changes and new mortgage products that are being provided. So I'm quite keen to, to hear about different options for people because we've got a real two-pace split market at the moment. Myself and Andy as letting agents as a lot of landlords are exiting the market. Um, down to, if you listen to the podcast with um, with our solicitor last week, you'll know why a lot of people are being scared off uh, and the arguments for and against that. But it's leaving an opportunity for a lot of landlords to buy in. And I've got a few landlords in our portfolio who are looking at buying one, two and three more properties. So thanks for coming back on firstly. Standard question, how's the market? Yeah, good, uh, good question. And uh, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, the market is, uh, it depends who you talk to, right? But from my perspective, the market is still really good. People want to buy. Um, it's just making the numbers work and whether it's an emotional purchase for you know, your residential um, or whether it is for an investment property. Um, but the market's still buoyant. People still want to buy. Um, I guess the biggest thing that's holding people back at the moment is interest rates, um, which obviously there might be a change in, in the base rate today. Um, which doesn't necessarily have an effect on the fixed rates, more, more of the swap rates, which we'll potentially go into. Um, but yeah, I, I think that as long as the uh, the the right intention is there to buy, uh, we're still seeing a lot of properties get snapped up and it's still then turned into business for me for purchases, uh, but then also clients are remortgaging. And a lot of my clients that are buy to let landlords that are remortgaging a release in equity to buy more properties because they're leveraging their money um, and their properties um, because the rents have gone up as well. So that, that helps quite a lot. Yeah, the, the big change to, to rents must make it easier mm -hmm. for you actually writing a buy-to-let mortgage because we had a couple of years mm. where whilst rates were very, very low, the mortgage didn't stack up against the, or the, the, the pri purchase price didn't stack up against the, mm -hmm. the rental income. Because the purchase price mm. have just gone up so yes. much over the last few years. And yeah, that, that has helped. Uh, like a couple of the clients that I'm, I'm looking at at the moment, their rents have put up like 25 to 30% in some areas, um, but that has come sort of over the last couple of years. But also interesting fact that a lot of landlords don't know, but I've also found that a lot of brokers don't know because I've won, I've won business this way. Um, but some a lot of lenders will go by the current market value of the rental market um, or by the current rents that the tenants are paying. And obviously if the landlord hasn't put it up over the last mm. couple of years, they're not going to be able to get the loan that they need. Um, but some will use the current market value, um, which massively helps. So if, for example, a, a mortgage that I've recently done for a client, she's only getting £450 a month for her property and she's in negotiations with the tenant at the moment to put it up. But the current market value is 600 
So it's massively helped her get a higher loan. And she's remortgaged from about 55% loan to value back up to 75%, released that 23K um, of equity from her property, which she's then invested into more property. Mm. Um, so it, it, it does have a massive impact, um, the, the interest rates, but because, as you said, the rents have gone up, I think statistically anywhere, depends where you are in the UK, but anywhere from, what, 15 to 30% in, in some places? Yeah, I think that's that's the piece of information that current landlords need to make an informed decision. So we yeah. were speaking <clears throat> before the podcast in the fact that because rental prices have, have increased, if that landlord actually took the advice, they might not have raised the rent for two, three, four years because Sometimes they deal longer, yeah. with that tenancy themselves or they manage mm. it themselves. So when I speak to clients and they tell me, oh, yeah, the rent's been the same for three years, I'm like, what? I was like, you're getting... Eight hundred pounds a month now. Yeah. If we were to remarket this, it could easily get twelve. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about four hundred pounds more a month, and you're telling me that you want to sell because the numbers don't stack up now. Yeah, it's just like there there are ways to keep you in the market, keep hold of your asset by getting that rent that the property deserves and what the market rate is. So yeah, yeah it's just things like that. It's just the educational piece. To I think to it's know. a good tip though. Is it lender specific that? some will look at the market rate over what's on the contract because yes. some landlords don't <clears throat> want to put their tenants rent up yeah. they've got a friendly relationship yep. with them whatever the reason might be there might be something that's just mean they've got an agreement between them mm-hmm. of whatever reason that they're going to keep the rent at way below market value but if they can still leverage the the assets rather than being held against it because generally speaking we we will advise people to increase the rent on their mortgage on their on their rental because when remortgage comes round they're going to be in trouble if they mm-hmm. don't more than it because we want to screw tenants over because we don't that's not our interest it's mm-hmm. more we think if you get way behind here when the remortgage comes up there might be an issue yeah and that's the challenging uh, thing at the moment with a lot of clients that have got their remortgages coming up whether it's two or five year fix that they did a few years ago is that it's difficult to remortgage them we're having to stick with their own lender which not necessarily a bad thing because some lenders do look after their existing clients mm-hmm. and offer them retention products uh, which sometimes are better than sort of remortgaging sometimes there's less fees etc but we do find that it is all a lot of the time it's best to remortgage to get a, a better rate but to answer your question yeah there's only a couple of lenders that will take the current market value as opposed to the rental that they're currently receiving and the main reason for that is because the lender doesn't want to overlend to the client because if the mortgage payment is close to what the rent is then they, they might fall on to difficult times but with that that's where our advice comes in mm-hmm. and we obviously want to make sure that yes you might be able to get this mortgage but we also want to make sure you can afford it if there's any difficulties or if, if there's any void periods. Uh, but this client specifically, um, she also had the ability to top slice, yeah. um, which I'm sure you guys have sort of to- um, spoken about a few times before. Um, but as long as they've got the personal income as well to back that up and they're aware of all the risks, clients are, are happy to sort of leverage their money. Mm-hmm. It makes a massive difference, I <clears> think, <throat> in the market. If there is, it's just having options open for people first and foremost rather than just a closed book of this is what we do and these are the guidelines there's never a black and white instance when you're talking about people with historic buy to let specifically i don't think that i I think a lot of people think there is a black and white answer I, i have a lot of new clients that come to me that have always just gone direct 
and they're with high street banks and yeah they've said oh look my high street bank can't offer me x y and z they speak to us and and we can look at a whole wide range of, of mortgages and sort of open up different options uh, so i think it's just having that conversation with landlords and people that are worried about what the rates are going to do and the rental prices and stuff and i think it's just having that educational touch point with them uh, to ensure that they're aware of all the options available before making a decision to sell the property so we're where are we now mid-august four months odd of the year to go we're looking at are we looking at the last Bank of England base rate rise of the year or where's your where's your opinion sitting is and is that why a lot of your landlords are sitting on their hands waiting to see mm-hmm. if things are going to drop off yeah it's a good question so the base rate is five percent as uh, as we talk but it's it's probably going to be going up today and uh, there's a lot of people thinking quarter or even half a percent so I, I personally think it's probably got a quarter percent we'll find out later today um, and when this podcast goes goes out um, but I also think there's a lot of people that are sitting and waiting because if they've got a tenant in the property and they're not losing money then they can afford to wait but it does also depend on on what their sort of plans are so I think if there's people that were thinking of selling next year anyway um, and their, their products coming to an end maybe they're going to sell sooner rather than later but I think you you probably wouldn't win those clients back anyway because they've decided they're selling next year. So what's selling next year? Sort of six to twelve months earlier. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just those clients that are, are maybe sort of on sort of fifty fifty on the fence about what to do. And it'll be interesting to see what rates do over the next few weeks or even a few months. I think that's what a lot of people are waiting to see. And the where housing markets slow down is where people don't know what's going to happen positive or negative they'll sit and wait to see what happens so if we think rates are going to come down traditionally people will wait if we think rates are going to go up sometimes we get an influx and then a wait so everything that i've ever spoken to brokers is about well why do you need to wait you can book Mm -hmm. a rate for six months Mm Where are we now on that? Is that still the case of, look, if just secure your buy to let, secure your rate, and if things get better, well, we can reapply. Yeah, no, exactly that. So all of my existing clients that I did mortgages for two and sort of five years ago, yeah, I've reached out to them sort of seven to six months before their product comes to an end so we can look at all options. And at the end of the day, with most lenders, there's no upfront costs because we usually add the arrangement fee to the loan. So to secure the rate, there you there, there's no disadvantage to the clients apart from securing the product early and as you said if rates do come down in that six month period we can move them over to the lower rate and and reapply so that's definitely a conversation to to have with with landlords Um, and then it's a lot of the clients that have previously gone direct or they haven't got a relationship with their broker that leave it to the last minute who panic the most i find and then they're the ones that make the sporadic decision to sell sooner rather than later um, without having conversations with people like us yeah the, it doesn't get any worse than someone who calls you and they've already made the decision rather than calling to <clears> discuss <throat> it mm. and as you say it's because their mortgage is about to go up mm. in seven days time yeah. or they've done their mortgage has just their new mortgage payments just come out and that's what's triggered them um there's a big change coming in the mortgage industry with consumer duty how, is that going to help people? Is that going to hinder people? 
and what about from the broker's point of view? Yeah, consumer duty is mainly coming in from a, a regulated side of things. Um, so it, it may not affect, well, it, it won't affect the buy-to-let market so much. It's more treating customers fairly in terms of fees, being honest, being transparent, um, mainly on the regulated, regulated side of things. So it's not really going to affect the traditional buy-to-let market that we guys predominantly deal with. Um, but it's definitely had a massive impact in terms of the conversations we're having with clients about signposting um, and ensuring that they're aware of all their different options and fees and timescales and everything else that comes into sort of making a decision uh, on their next mortgage. For sure. So buy to let mortgages then. So what sort of ratios we are we looking at on buy to let mortgages now with um, sort of percentage wise? So. Mm-hmm. We used to talk about seventy-five percent, twenty percent, twenty-five percent deposit. Um, has that now sort of changed, and has the affordability levels changed percentage-wise? What are we looking at right right now? Yeah, it's a really good question. I I think that historically and and even now, most people who buy buy to let property, they think I've got twenty-five percent deposit, I can buy a property, yeah. I can buy an investment property. That's not the case anymore it really should be (laughs) (laughs) and the the, the main reason for that is because of the stress test so lenders want to ensure that the money they're lending to clients they can afford it um, with the interest rates being what they are but they also then add on a a certain stress test on top of that it's usually anywhere for example if the interest rate at the moment for buy to lets is let's just say 6%, which 75% mortgages at the moment. It does depend whether it's in personal name, limited company, and what type of property, so whether it's a family home, HMO, etc. But most buy-to-let mortgages at the moment are between 55 to 6.5%. Right. So if you are taking that amount, so if you're taking the mortgage amount, adding on the sort of 1.5 to 2%, and then it's got to be 125 to 150% on top of that. It just doesn't work at 75% loan to value at the mm. moment. In that, and that's mainly in the South. There are areas in the UK, um, especially sort of up North in Wales and Scotland mm. where it can fit at 75%. And that's mainly because the rental prices have gone up, but the property prices haven't sort of really followed what they've done in yeah. the South. Um, but yeah, where rates are at the moment, it just seems when I look at the rates daily, I just can't believe how high they are compared mm. to what they were six, even 12 months ago, yeah. um, where the mortgages that my clients are on, let's say they did a two year fix two years ago and it's sort of coming up to an end. Most of them are probably between two to two and a half percent. And now they're going to five and a half, six percent. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it'd be interesting to sort of see what rates do, but I'm, I'm positive. I think a lot of the people that, uh, have, properties are in it long term mm. and especially the ones that are buying properties the ones that are remortgaging it's a slightly different conversation but people getting into the buy to let market you're looking at it long term no one buys a property to sell it within three four yeah. five years it's sort of 10 15 20 years whether it's your pension or retirement or you want to um sort of take over your, your day job um so i think a lot of the people that are getting into the market now are aware of everything that's going on and as long as they're not losing money on the property they're still buying the buy to that property because they know it's going to pay off. Mm. But also a lot of the people that are buying buy to let properties now, maybe they're slightly more run down so they can get it for 10, 15% less than maybe what it's worth, spend a little bit of money on it and then recycle their money and then invest that again into to more properties. Yeah, I think we're looking at the market. There are a couple of 
beauties out there that you can yeah. that you can get for a good price mm-hmm. and and to to make it work for you. It's funny to say about the the north. We were speaking before, weren't we, about yeah. north uh, in, investments, investments up north, and looking at the rental yields up there, they they're ranging from like seven percent to ten percent. Sometimes even in, higher, yeah. Sometimes even higher, as in down here around sort of southeast, they're ranging at about five and a half. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff going up 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 north at, at the moment. So um yeah, with investments, look, your your typical area that you normally invest in might not be the right area to invest in right now, mm-hmm. but there are other areas in the country where you can just put your money in and get a good return on. Yeah, and I think it's just having that conversation with the client to sort of find out exactly what they want. You know, some people just want to get the keys and rent it out straight away. But yeah. Some people are happy to do some work to the property. Some people buy uh, sort of three or four bedroom house and then turn it into multi-unit flats, etc. So um, it all depends on how much time and money they want to spend in the investing um, side of things. Um, but I, the, the good thing I like about this job, every single client is different. So I'm mm. having completely different conversations with, with people every day. And that's where our, our advice uh, sort of comes into play. But a lot of the clients um, that I deal with as well, I, I tell them I'm a landlord. So they ask for my opinion. And if we all ask the same question to each other now, we'd probably all have a slightly different opinion on investing in money, time, location. Mm. Um, so it's just a, a real hot topic at the moment. So Scott, leading question: When, if you're not watching on YouTube, when Andy said seven to ten minutes, a little smile broke across your face, like you know a little bit more than over over seven to ten. And I'd happen to know you own a few properties scattered around the the UK in different investment hotspots. Being from the south in Berkshire specifically, I look at northern properties and I think, yeah, great. So the return is good. Mm-hmm. But if I'm remortgaging them every two to five years with the arrangement fees and this, that and the other, surely the once you strip out all of those costs, mm-hmm. the hassle factor of getting six or seven hundred pounds a month per unit is wiped out. What do you think? It's a good question. It's a really good question. I, I've asked this myself um, many times. And because one of the hardest things about having a property is managing it. And maintenance and any issues you've got so when it's so far away it's difficult and you have to trust agents in that area and sort of build relationships with them but i think that once you've got the property it's interesting because you can see the properties like that they go up a lot slower than what they do in the south but they do go up in value historically probably like anywhere from two to four percent year on year and although you're not making as much from the properties, they you can buy more. So for example, if you had a hundred grand in the bank and you wanted to invest in buy to properties, but you weren't sure whether to do it down here in the South or up North with a 25% deposit, which is still stacking to sort of come back to the, the stress yeah. test, which is still sort of stacking up up North, you could probably buy three or four properties of that hundred grand where down here you'd only get one. So then you've got to put everything into an Excel spreadsheet and sort of see where the numbers um, stack up. And I think a lot of the time people, because they're in it for the long term, they know that the properties that are down here in the South will go up in value much more. So if that is a a long term plan of theirs to, to have the property, they would do that because, yes, they may not be making the same rental yield, but over the next 10, 20 years, if that's their retirement plan, that property will be worth a lot more. 
comes back to your why. Yes. Mm. Which I think has been mentioned about a billion times. It needs to be a big neon light <laughs> yeah, on that, yeah, yeah, on that wall. What, is your, what, what is, your is your why? Why are you doing this? Because I think it's still, and I'm sure you get the same inquiries. I'm thinking about buying a, buying a buy to let. Why? Because I've got money in the bank and it seems like the obvious thing to do. There's yeah. not really a plan behind it, which is why people end up buying within three miles of their own home because it's somewhere they're confident in, somewhere they know. And as you say, if you've got £100,000, which is a significant amount of money in yeah. anyone's bank account, in Bracknell, you'll probably get a two-bedroom flat as mm -hmm. a buy-to-let. Yeah. You might be lucky enough to buy a two-bedroom freehold, and that will wipe you out, as opposed to spreading that around and mitigating your risk of having maybe four tenants or three tenants in different properties, two properties covering the other one if one's ever empty and, and, and those sorts of things. It's always been my question, though, if, if mortgage remortgages hit £2,000 arrangement fees, does it then wipe out your mortgage, yeah. wipe out your rental income mm -hmm. for the next next three months because rental income's lower? Yeah, no, definitely. And so I, I think I uh, sort of scattered over your question last time <laughs> with uh, the arrangement fees and what have you. So it's a good point. And we find that most lenders offer two products. So they offer a product with a lower interest rate but mm -hmm. it's got a arrangement fee or a higher arrangement fee and they've got products with a higher interest rate but no fee and most of the time it does depend on a few factors but if the loan the, the total loan is about between 100 and 150 it usually works out better going for the one with no fee but with a higher rate and that could change from it could change monthly payments anywhere from 50 to a couple of hundred pound. But then if you're looking at the initial two years or five years, it could be cheaper. But I guess that's our job as a broker to sort of go through the options with the clients. Um, because, yeah, if, if you are fixing for two years, you've got to factor in the arrangement fees, potentially evaluation fee, broker fees, etc. Um, however, what we find is that a lot of the buy to that mortgages we have to put on a five year fixed simply because lenders offer a better stress test. Um, and in the market that we're in at the moment, a lot of deals aren't fitting at 75%, but they're also not fitting at two-year deals. So we're, we're putting a lot of buy-to-lets on five-year fixes, um, which clients are happy to do that as long as they are aware of the risks and sort of the benefits of, of doing that, um, because it's then difficult if the property goes up in value in year two or year three, it's then difficult to sort of refinance that. Um, but... I think it just comes down to having that conversation with the clients and making sure they, they're getting the right advice because I, I still see so many landlords that just think they know the mortgage market or they think that they can just go to a certain bank because they look after them and they bank with them for years yeah. and years. Some banks offer retention products, but again, you're not getting the advice that you need. And a lot of the time, if you can release equity from that property and you can use that money to make you more money, it's definitely a conversation to have. Yeah, I mean, spoiler alert, no bank's looking to look after you. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm allowed to say that, but yeah. you might not be. Yeah. No, 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 no comment. Yeah. Mike has dropped it, a fact. <laughs> but it comes back to what you said earlier, is get a working spreadsheet on it 
because I hadn't considered it that way that just pay the higher interest rate if it's a lower mm. if it's a lower amount on your loan because my properties have always been in the southeast where you've got a big number on the on on the sheet so you you pay the arrangement fee mm. to keep your interest rate down yeah mm. once once you hit a certain point in the UK north of Watford Gap somewhere mm. then maybe that yeah. that opinion changes totally yeah definitely and it, it just comes down to, to to our advice and sort of going through that with the client because sometimes it's very very marginal so sometimes clients don't mind adding the arrangement fee and going for a lower rate to help with the cash flow mm-hmm. the monthly cash flow even though they know it's probably going to cost them a little bit more after two to five years and I, I, I think that with the arrangement fee a lot of lenders have increased their arrangement fees over the last year or so with, with rates going up. And some of them, especially for the limited company and maybe the specialist mortgages, so HMOs or multi-unit blocks, some of the arrangement fees are done in percentages, so two, even 3%. Um, so it can be a, a hefty fee on, on top of everything else that you're paying for. So mortgage broker, property investor, where we stand right now, you can get 5% on your savings where without your mortgage broker's hat on totally unregulated. Nope. You're watching from the FCA where are you putting your money right now. When I personally put in my money. Yeah. Um, what's your opinion on it? I'm buy- still buying properties. I think now is a good time to buy, but you have to be more careful about the properties that you're going for. And I think long gone are the days are where yeah you can buy a property 25 percent deposit it's going to rent out easy peasy and, and the numbers are going to work regardless you've got to be a lot more careful these days and i think there's been a lot of changes over the last i want to say 20 years 10 years even the last two years with investing in property mainly because of a lot of regulations coming in um and uh, the, the guidelines changing obviously the epc where landlords have to be more careful um but personally for me, I am looking into still buying properties this year. So I look, looked at a property yesterday. It's not, not the right fit. We just couldn't make the numbers work. Um, but I think HMOs are a growing market, mainly because, a couple of reasons for that, mainly because I think a lot of people can't afford to rent a one or two bedroom flat these days, uh, especially in this area. They go from what, anywhere from 900 to 12, 1300. Yeah, um, easily, yeah. For, for, for a one bedroom flat. Um, but they, they want their own living arrangements. They want their own ensuite. They want their own um, garden, etc. So they're looking at the HMOs. So I think that's a growing market and the rental yields are usually much higher in the HMOs. A lot of the time they, they should be sort of in the double figures, so like 10% plus. Um, but then there's a lot more risk for landlords, uh, but the rewards can be much better. So if you do the HMO strategy right, um, that's going to be beneficial. But also looking at properties that are run down, I think it you mentioned it earlier, Andy, where there's a lot of properties at the moment where sellers are desperate to sell yeah. for numerous reasons. And I think there's probably a lot of properties at the moment that are selling for 5 10% less mm. than what they would have done a couple of years ago. Yeah. But I think it's just being a little bit more selective about what properties you, you buy at the moment. Yeah, well, I mean, just going back to it, so on the HMO things while we're on here, so there's been a lot of talk about HMO. though. Now, there wasn't a lot of talk previously regarding it, but now it seems to be a new investment opportunity that more and more people are sort of looking into and taking note of. So what what's the sort of initial outlay on a average HMO? So we were talking earlier about one that's come up, needs a lot of work doing, can't make the numbers work. But on your average one, because you've, you've got some, yes, haven't you? Yeah. So what, what's the sort of average outlay 
on a HMO that gets you started sort of into it, really? Yeah, so it, it depends on uh, whether you're buying the HMO that's already set up. Um, as a HMO, that would be the, the cost of that and the outlay would be similar just to buying your standard yeah. buy to let with 20, 25% deposit. We actually bought ours with 20% deposit, which you, you can't do at the moment mm. because they're, they're, they just don't stack up. But um, if a lot of people that are buying HMOs at the moment or buying properties that they want to turn into yeah. HMOs, shall I say, are run down properties that were maybe family homes, maybe probate or maybe rental properties that landlords are now selling and they haven't really looked after them. That's why they're, they're getting sort of the lower end of the market that are sort of your three to four bedroom houses that have potential to change into maybe a five, six, seven bed because they've either got two reception rooms or they've got potential to extend out the back or into the loft. So I guess the initial outlay would be the initial deposit and the stamp duty and fees that you would have with any purchase, but then also working out how much money you need to spend to get the property ready to be a HMO. Um, and that could range from whether you just need to uh, change one of the reception rooms to the bedroom, so you turn it into a three or four bedroom, so that wouldn't cost that much, or if you're renovating the whole property, um, mm. because there's, again, there's a lot of guidelines and regulations you have to follow to make sure that the property fits. Yeah, like that. so there could be a lump sum that you need to pay up front, really, to get that property sort of ready. Yeah. Because you've got communal areas to think about mm -hmm. as as well. So there's a lot of stuff that, that goes into HMOs and a lot you've got to think about, a lot of management things as, mm -hmm. as well you've got to think about. But like you said, if you do it properly yeah. and you're renting out each room for, what, say 750, mm -hmm. 800 pounds a month, then it's going to work out a lot better year-wise yeah. compared to just the normal mm -hmm. bite to that property. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of people that are, are moving into the, the HMOs these days are sort of young professional people that want somewhere really nice to live. So mm. they're happy to pay top dollar, should we say, for the rooms, if it's anywhere from 650 to 800, somewhere a little bit more, depending on how big, if it's got an ensuite location, etc. Um, so you do really have to spend money on making sure that it's done up to a really good standard yeah. um, to attract the right people. Um, but yeah, I think HMOs are, are growing, so that's where we're looking at the moment. But then there's also a lot of buildings that were old offices and old commercials yeah. that we, we were talking about earlier um which people are turning into to residential property so i think a lot of landlords are, are now going to be sort of looking at that as well yeah easy regulations and that easy that, regulations um a lot of the time there's no planning permission needed it's just under permitted development um it can go through quicker and you're not really changing the structure of the building itself um, you're more just changing the insides of it and uh, just kitting it out, which can be much more cost effective mm. than doing something like a HMO where you've got to be knocking down walls or extensions or loft conversions, which with building materials and labor, most of that's gone up a lot over the last couple of years as well. So mm. the less work you have to do to the property can be beneficial. Um, but I think a lot of people that are getting into sort of the landlord space at the moment we're not expecting to make much money in the first year or two because we've just got to cover our costs. Yeah, no, absolutely. So Scott, coming towards the end of 2023, you're a specialist in the, the landlord space because you are one yourself. And regardless of whether you're talking about buying property, whether you're talking about this, or you're talking about that, I would always want to sit opposite someone who's walked a mile in my shoes if I'm taking advice off them firstly. What are your three tips for landlords coming towards the end of the year to look out for 
or to run away from yeah. or to run towards. Mm -hmm. So yeah, my top three tips for, for landlords to finish out the end of the year and sort of look for in properties um, or, or just general advice is to ensure that the, the, the properties that you're looking at um, have the, the needs to potentially change the, the marketing if you needed to. So for example, if you need to change from a, a family home to a HMO or vice versa, um, but then also the demand in the area, just to make sure that there is a, a, enough tenants in the area. And a lot of the time that comes down to the amenities. So you, you've got the job opportunities, you've got the transport, you've got the shops, you've got the entertainment. So I think a lot of landlords used to sort of go in and see a property they like and thought it would rent out quite quickly. Um, just want to make sure that it's in a good area. Why did um, you buy it? Because it was cheap. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's a reason for yeah. that. There's a reason for that. Um, and then you, you struggle to rent it out or you won't get the price that you're expecting. Um, but I think one of the biggest tips, and this isn't specifically about buying a property, but it's speaking to experts, speaking to mortgage brokers, speaking to your accountant as well to make sure that you're getting the right tax advice, so whether you're buying it in a personal name, limited company, whatever it may be but then to also speak to guys like yourself to, to find out what the rental market's doing, what price they're doing, what the demand's like. Um, but yeah, overall, I don't think people reach out enough to, to get the right advice. So that would probably be the biggest tip, I would say. Yeah, I think just, uh, just on that, it's, it's about thinking about it as an investment. So if we're investing in stocks, shares, I'll drop crypto in there because I like a little <laughs> dabble. Um, but if we were investing in, in that, the first thing I'll be doing would be speaking to people already within that industry and saying, right, what's coming up? What's doing well? What's not doing so well? Have you got any thoughts on this? I've been looking at it for the past year and it seems to have gone up and up and up and up. So with those type of investments, you get that advice from from everywhere. But it just seems that if you've got a buy to let or something like that, the you don't really hear any questions on it you know how's the current market doing you know what can i what can i do with this with this money where should i put it into what should i buy right what do these um reforms mean in 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 the rental sector no no one seems to be asking a lot of questions mm -hmm. on on that so i think it's just changing the mindset and thinking right this property it is my investment i'm going to look after it as an investment like I would do if I'm pumping money into into something else. And like you said, having that, and we've said this before about having that power team around around you and, and speaking to the correct people, correct times, and, and getting that advice. You know, that's something that I would do if I had uh, had an investment. I'm sure you two would, would do it as well. I just need more people to have an outlook like that and get in contact, yeah. basically. Before making... A yeah. rash decision about what they're going to be doing with the property or with their money and i think yeah a lot of the people that are sort of getting into the, the buy to let market these days it's they're the right type of people that are asking the questions mm. and I, I think podcasts like this and everything else that you can find um online really helps people educate themselves um, but then also reach out for help you know yeah i think so just don't take what you see sort of in the in the media or online or anything like that don't don't assume that that is correct and that you need to listen to that speak to people that are actually dealing with with things in that in that industry and within your investment and and yeah go from there before making making any decisions check the agenda of that individual 
And on that note, Scott, thanks for joining us again this week. If you've enjoyed what you heard, click the subscribe button. We're here every single week, most of the time with a really, really good guest. If there's ever a guest that you want to see and hear on our podcast, put in the suggestions. But Scott, as ever, if you want to get in touch with Scott, his contact details will be in the show notes across our social media. He'll be happy to speak to you about any questions that you've got. Till next week, thanks again. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Why have we made the Investors Corner podcast, Ian? I think online at the moment, there is just way too much noise, waffle and nonsense. Everyone's got an agenda. So the goal was to make a podcast for people that want to invest money in property or other areas where there's no waffle, there's no nonsense, there's no agenda. It's opinion led, but it's an honest opinion. And it might not be the right answer, but we're going to share it. So on the podcast, we're going to supply people with access to mortgage brokers, financial advisors, planning experts, development consultants, everything around the property industry and the wider fields. Yeah, so if you're looking at investing in the future, you know that just having an income from your employer or from your business is not enough to give you the life that you want down the line. We're going to hopefully give you some of those answers that will give you the solutions you need for the future. So please hit the subscribe button. The more subscribers we get, better guests that we can get on and the more people that we can reach. So hit subscribe. <laughs>